Sovereign Grace Chapel, located at 135 Annabelle Lane in Beaver, West Virginia, invites you to listen to a gospel message concerning Jesus Christ our Lord. Turn with me to 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy 1. Now, as you all were turning there, I want to read a proverb to you real quick. But 1 Timothy 1 is where we're going. Uh, Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. So before we get into my text, I want to say a little something about this proverb. And this is not my message, but this proverb has on occasion come to my mind. Two like things here, said to be iron, <clears throat> but using iron on iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance, the face of his friend, is what it says. How do we sharpen the countenance of a friend? Always speaking the truth of God to them. Truth, always truth, truth and truth. I think there is a kin passage to this in the New Testament, Hebrews 5.14 we read, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Those by His grace who go to God's truth in time of joy or happiness or in time of trouble. I don't mean necessarily go get a Bible, but as we are taught, at least talking one another, it does certainly include going to get a Bible. But we speak the truth of this book. And I'm using the word truth here specifically. I have a tendency at times when talking to folks, you know, I'll have a a thought in my mind. And of course, they don't know everything that went on in my thoughts. So I'll say something and, you know, I usually get this reaction at home. This is, you know, what Paula does to me a lot. What are you talking about? And we have a saying that Paul and I use at home, is, and we say, say what you mean. And I know every, every one of us know here what we're talking about, what I'm talking about. But, um, and I don't want to be critical, and I'm not talking about straightening someone out. That's not what I mean. Because we should be quick to hear and slow to speak. But it does do us good if we actually explain things better sometimes. That is, to say what we mean. So I've had some conversations here lately that caused me to wonder if I have done this in some of my my messages. And the obvious answer is, yes, I certainly have. But also in my conversations, I've done this for sure. And I'm talking about specifically this morning, the law. So I want to do another message on this, and I've done this before, using the law lawfully. It will not be the the exact same message, but it's going to have a lot of the same things that I had before. So in 1 Timothy 1, verses 8 through 11, I want to read that again. 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 11. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, 
for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. I've got three things, and that's using the law lawfully. What is the purpose of the law, and what does this mean to us? Using the law lawfully. It's not my purpose to denigrate the law of God. God most assuredly gave us the law for a specific reason. I know some may say that I do that with what I talk about when I point out from Scripture, but it's what the Scripture says. But I want to bring you what the Scripture says about the law of God. I do want to use the law lawfully. I hope to show that, although I hope we all know here that it takes God Almighty's power to believe it. We read here that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Do we make the law good or bad in how we use it? In this sense, yes. If we do not use the law in the way that God intended for it to be used or taught by us, then it can be bad. If you go up, you can see that in the previous verses. It's talking about those who teach the law and don't know what they're talking about, basically. If we teach the law as a way to God, that is, a way that we can gain acceptance before God, then the law is not good to use in such a way or teach in such a way. That is lying to men and women. It also gives man a false hope if they begin to think they are keeping it. But if we use it how God intends for it to be used, then it is good. So this here in Timothy first starts off by saying who the law is not made for and who it is made for. But let's first listen to what God tells us in uh, Romans 10.4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. It is very important that you read all of that passage for sure. This is one of those times where I may have said something to someone at one time and I knew the rest of the verse and in fact taught this in this message when I did it previously. Previously when I did the message on using the law lawfully, I did point this out. But not mentioning mentioning the whole of the verse makes it a lie. Because Christ is not the end of the law for righteousness, to everyone, exactly. only, only to them that believe. Amen. This is a very key point in which a lot of people pass over because of the striking finality of the point where it says, the end of the law for righteousness. And that's, that's rightfully so, it's, it's true. And I'm not trying to diminish what's said there. But we oftentimes, and I'm me being the biz, biggest offender here, but we see the striking comment and we do not give heed to the rest of it. First of all, it is Christ who is the end of the law for righteousness, not us. But it also is also true that this is only to everyone that believeth. If you do not believe, if you do not believe, he is not the end of the law for righteousness, righteousness to you. What else? If a man uses the law to tell us that we can live however we please and that it makes no difference, this is also bad. 
Romans 6, 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The answer is absolutely not. If you think you are given by God to absolutely disregard all that Christ did and you can sow to this flesh all you want, you are deceived. The law of God has a purpose and God gave it for a specific purpose. So in light of what I just went through, who is the law made for? 1 Timothy 1 verse 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man. Now this seems to be a simple enough statement, and it is. But it brings up a question in my mind. Who is righteous? I read in Scripture there is none righteous. No, not one. If no one is righteous, then the law must be made for me and all born of Adam. The answer to that is, yes, it is. Some to their eternal destruction and some for our spiritual instruction in, uh, by God in grace. None of us as we are born in Adam are righteous before a thrice holy God. We are told that even our righteousness, says Joe, are as filthy rags in God's sight. Amen. There is not a one of us who being born from Adam can say we are righteous before God. However, there is one man who can say that. There is one man who is righteous before a thrice holy God, Jesus Christ the Lord, who we are told is the righteousness of God without the law. Because of this, we know the law is not made for Jesus Christ. Scripture confirms this, three, uh, Romans 3, 21 and 22. Now, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Amen. The righteousness of God without the law is by faith of, and this means it is his, the of there denotes ownership, and this is a righteousness without the law. The law and the prophets give testimony to this. This very fact that it is the faith of Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God without the law. Jesus Christ manifests a perfect righteousness as a man. Amen. So it is evident that the law was not made for him. And the scripture tells us this, that it was not made for him because the law was not made for a righteous man. So who is the law made for? Continuing on with 1 Timothy 9 and 10, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. This is who the law was made for. Very clear right here in this passage. Now, who are these people? The law is for everyone born of Adam. Mm -hmm. Me, as an example. Yeah. But if you go ask men and women, are you these things? Yeah. Most are not going to tell you that this is what they are. Yeah. But right. there are some. There are a few people who will admit to you that they are this as they are born in Adam. And they will not do this by their own power or will. Right. These may not even be able to explain it like that. They will be just like the publican who would not lift up his eyes to heaven, 
but he prayed for propitiation for his sin. They will know they have offended God because his law being their schoolmaster and this schoolmaster teaching them, I cannot do this. In fact, I have already done this. I've committed, I've broken it. All to my condemnation. They will do this by the power of God if he enables them to see what they are. Now, don't get me wrong. All of mankind is these things. They just cannot see it about themselves. Does this make the law bad? Because it tells some what they are before God? Romans 7, 7, it says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. I had, nay, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. When we see the law sent by God in grace, it will show us we are not holy. It will, in fact, it will show us that we are unholy. It will show us that we are not righteous. In fact, it will show us we are unrighteous. It will show us we are not good. It will, in fact, show us we are evil and that continually. If you would, turn with me to Galatians 3. Galatians 3, verse 21, and you can just keep your place there in, in uh, 1 Timothy. Galatians 3. <clears throat> Galatians 3, verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, Verily, righteousness should have been by the law. This tells us here that life, that is righteousness, could not come by the law. It could not come by it then, and it cannot come by it now. If it could have come this way, Paul tells us, then righteousness should have been by the law. The law is not against the promises of God. The law gives us no place to hide. It lays us all wide open before him, whom we have to do. The fact is we are spiritually dead as we are born in Adam. The reason we cannot keep the law is because we are dead in trespasses and in sin. What does it go on to say in verses 22 and 23 there in uh, Galatians 3? But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. To have life is to have righteousness. To have spiritual life is to have righteousness. That is the indication in the verse we just read. Do we get life from the law? Absolutely not. We are told it cannot give life. The law is weak through the flesh. This flesh cannot do or keep God's holy law. This flesh is dead in trespasses and in sin. Now there are a lot of people who will agree with what I just said. Even those who cast out aspersions about someone being an antinomian will say this flesh cannot keep this law. But they want to tell men and women to follow after God's law. 
The law is God's schoolmaster, Galatians 3, verses 24 through 26. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. We can take the to bring us out of there. It doesn't belong there. This is evident by the next verse where it says, but after faith is come. Yes. After faith is come, not when the schoolmaster brings us to faith. God uses his schoolmaster. We have his schoolmaster until he sends us faith. That is faith in an individual and faith proclaimed to an individual. Both have to be there. The faith we are talking about is that faith of Christ, which he possesses and gives as a gift to his people when he is pleased. But here we have a verse, and it does not use the word of, but the word in. Once God gives us faith and sends us the gospel, we do believe in Jesus Christ. And we are no longer under a schoolmaster because we have Christ. We are in a state of believing is what that word in there indicates. So what is the purpose of the law? What is the reason we are given the law? What does scripture tell us why the law was given? Romans 5.20, moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. Sin was already there because death has passed upon all men, which we read in Romans 5. The law entered that the offense might abound. Law being brought in, this flesh just rebels even more, so much so that the offense abounds. What else do we read about the law and what it does? We've already talked about it a minute ago, but it's used by God in grace to his people as a schoolmaster. But what does this schoolmaster do? Romans 3.19 we read, Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, It saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. The law of God gives no man any reason to boast before God. No man will be able to to say to God, I kept your law as you required me to do. This is true for every individual that it will shut everyone's mouth. Some now, some later. If God sends you his law and grace, it will shut your mouth so that you know you have nothing to boast in. You will become guilty before him. You will come to see and you will only see this by grace, but you will see I cannot do this. Romans 3.20 we read, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. We know sin by the law. The law is in fact what gives sin its strength because of the flesh. As has been said before, the law does not make us what we are. It just shows us what we are. And it cannot fix what we are. But we have one more thing that I want to mention that the law does. Romans 7, 9. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. The law kills us. That is, it kills his people. If we are dead, and we are, 
If we have sinned against God and his holy law, and we have, what is the benefit of the law to me? What does this mean to us? The law as God's schoolmaster accomplishes all that he sends it to do. His law cannot and does not give us righteousness at any time because it cannot because of this flesh. But once faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. The law then is nothing to the believer in Christ. We are freed from the law to serve Christ. So what does this mean to us, his people? This is when we read and in God opening our eyes and understanding to passages such as the following, following which give us a beacon of hope. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him sin for us who knew no sin. For what purpose did he do this for us? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God giving us his law, and by us, I mean those he chose in Christ from before the foundation of the world, but those he came and died for on that tree so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Once God and his power sends us his gospel and we believe Jesus Christ by that faith he gives us, then that law is no longer needed by us. It has done what God has intended for it to do. But any time I am looking to his law, I will always find the same result, condemnation. Right. Yes, sir. But we know that as we are born into this world, we are just like everyone else. We are the children of wrath, even as others. But we read in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, we read this. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. <coughs> Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Kind of sounds like the list we read in First Timothy there, there, doesn't it? First eleven of First Corinthians six. And such were some of you. Amen. But ye are washed, yeah. but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. God saved us by His Son, Jesus Christ, him, him being made a curse for and sin for us. He then sends us His gospel, whereby His Spirit we see Jesus Christ. The law taking us right up to that point as God has appointed. But by His gospel we then clearly see this, Romans 3, 21 and 22. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. Amen. For there is no difference. This faith given to us is counted to us for righteousness. Yes. This is a counting by God to us, not our accounting of it. He counts that for righteousness, and it is righteousness. Romans 4, 3 says, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. God does the, count, the counting for righteousness, uh, righteousness unto Abraham and to us. He can do this because it comes from his gift of faith which is the faith of Jesus Christ. 
The faith of Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God without the law. That faith is counted to us for righteousness. What does that then mean? We are righteous in Christ. So then if we believe God and he counts that to us for, our, for righteousness, because it says God counts it to us for righteousness, then we are righteous. The law is not made for a righteous man. Right. I know that might be bold in some men's eyes to say that, but we are also told in Scripture that without faith it is impossible to please God. Amen. What is the inverse or opposite of that? And the inverse is true based on the preponderant testimony of Scripture, that by faith we do please God. Yes. Faith is His gift. And I like to... I like to say, I like this about faith. I heard Kara Poole say this, and I said it in my last one of my messages, and I'm going to say it again. We do not exercise faith. Faith exercises us. It exercises us into believing Him. So what have we went through using the law lawfully? We are told that the law is not made for a righteous man. Jesus Christ is righteous, so the law is not made for, for Christ. All born in Adam are not righteous. Some will never be righteous as God did not intend to die for them, that they might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So they never stop being under the law. They never know they are under it, and in some cases may even think they keep this holy law. But then there are some who Christ died for to take away their sin so that they might be made the righteousness of God in Him. For them, God uses his law as their schoolmaster until the appointed time when he sends them faith, that is, faith in them and faith proclaimed to them. This causing them to believe him, and he counts that for righteousness. So the law is not for them anymore. They are freed from that law to serve Jesus Christ. The law has a purpose. To those not in Christ, it is to justly show they missed the mark whether they see it or not, or believe it or not. To those who he has saved to the uttermost, it is to shut our mouth, to let us know what sin is, and to kill us. But what he has done, we are, by what he has done, we are freed from this law. We are dead to this law. No longer to be under this law when God gives us faith. Faith looks to Jesus Christ, the scripture says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, and I like to say perfecter of faith. We also looked at what this means to, to us, his people. It means Christ has done all that is needed for us to be righteous before a thrice holy God. In him giving us his faith in measure, we believe him to the saving of the soul. Galatians 3, 11 through 13, we read, But that no man is justified by the law and the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Those who walk after the Spirit, these are the ones that please God because of His gifts. The fruit of the Spirit, there is no law against this fruit. The spiritual man delights in the law of God, but he cannot find it in himself to keep God's law. He does not have the ability. 
But that new man walks after the Spirit, and there is no law against those fruit given by the Spirit of God. This includes faith. Faith, because it is of Jesus Christ, causes the one who possesses it to look to Jesus Christ. 